Well, as I already mentioned, today is our first Sunday in Lent, and we are now in the midst of our collective journey for 40 days, not counting Sundays, toward Easter. And Lent is a, a time of reflection, it's a time of repentance, it's a, it's a time to look inward at the things that are keeping us from drawing close to God and, and attempting in some way to draw closer And over the series of weeks throughout Lent, we're going to be going through a series of sorts in our sermons where we're focusing on different meals that Jesus had with people in Scripture. Now, all throughout Scripture, there are repeated themes and motifs and ideas that we see time and time again. And maybe you didn't know that food and meals were one of those major themes, but that is the case especially in the New Testament. And so over the next few weeks of Lent, we're going to look at some of these major stories that revolve around food, revolve around breaking bread together, and the stories that are told, and the faith that is grown out of these instances. And that will begin with today. So with that being said, let us pray. Lord, as we come before you this morning to hear your holy word, we ask that you open our eyes and our ears to your call on our lives, that you soften our hearts to know your will, and that you fill us with your love, that we might be satisfied. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 to 44. Hear now the word of the Lord. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. And as he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something to eat for themselves. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Are we to go and Buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves. And gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them. And all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who had eaten the loaves numbered five thousand men. This is the word of the Lord. Now many of you know uh, over the years at this point that I come from a pretty large family. I've got four siblings. Uh, It means there were seven of us trying to figure out our family schedules together. Uh, That involved a lot of stress for my parents, which now I can appreciate a little bit, but not so much then. 
uh, shuttling us to and from school, shuttling us to and from sports, shuttling us to and from our friends' houses, trying to get together for a meal was a miracle every night. Uh, trying to figure out what we would eat. There were many times when we might just get tossed a box of cereal or some kind of reheatable frozen dinner. Uh, But the nights that we sat down and we had a real cooked meal, my dad was always the chef. My dad is known as the cook of the house, though sometimes we preferred that he was working because that meant we could trick our mom into getting us uh, some fast food for the night or some pizza to my dad's dismay. But the resounding mantra of our house was my dad's, uh, and what he would say in an inspirational way is, I hate cold food. That was his rule. I hate cold food. And so if you heard, I hate cold food, that was the way that we were called to the dinner table. It meant we had about 30 seconds to get down and sit until things were going to get crazy really fast. And so that's what we would do. And we would gather together and we would eat together. And as we would eat, you know, siblings have a way of squabbling one way or the other. We, we had tensions, we shared stories, we ignored each other, rolled our eyes, and, but there was one rite of passage we had to go through to leave the dinner table, and that was everyone had to go around the table and say what the best part of your day was, what the worst part of your day was, and something you learned. Now, this might not be groundbreaking to any of you, but it was a significant part of our family's time together. Uh, And now we are all in different places, and I can look back fondly on many of those dinners, uh, and I can look back not so fondly too, but that's where relationships are built, is around meals. Now my brother, he's an inspirational figure in my life because he took those three questions very seriously. Uh, He had sped up the process, we'll say. The best part of his day was always that dinner was now done. The worst part is that he had to say anything at dinner, and what he had learned is how to say things much faster. This was Keith's way of getting in and out of the dinner table as fast as possible. My parents would try to fight him on this. He would disappear to go to the bathroom, and then he would never be seen again. That was moving, you know, and the reality is that as a family, we look back at many of these moments, and we laugh now, but there were some Some tough nights, for sure. There were some dinners we loved, some dinners we did not love so much. Um, I won't name any of those today for my dad's benefit. But stories about food are stories that invite us into this mental state of meals. Stories about food are, are ones that invite us into the idea that there is conversation and relationship unfolding. And that's the kind of story we see this morning in Mark's Gospel. Now, just before this this major, famous miracle of feeding the 5,000 occurred, Jesus had already given the disciples another task. He had sent them off in groups of two into the neighboring towns and villages and told them to go teach and to heal people. And now they had returned. That's where our story picks up. And it picks up with them telling Jesus everything that they had done, everything that they had taught. And Jesus' response to seeing them do all of this was that these people look tired. And so he said, you all need to take a rest. And if you hear nothing else this morning, you can hear that part of what God prescribes for us is to take a rest when necessary. Sometimes we don't even know we need it. But as they were on their way to go take this rest, they were caught up with something else. Uh, the language that Mark uses is that they, didn't even, they were so busy they didn't even have the time or the leisure to eat 
I think we all know about how hectic our days can get, and you don't even have time sometimes, it feels like, to sit down and eat until someone else asks something of you. Someone else asks you to think critically about some problem. And Jesus sees these people following them along, and as they were trying to get some rest, he notices that these people were already where they were trying to get to, and so his response wasn't to send them away, but rather, Mark tells us that Jesus saw them and had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And that's a really sad idea when you think about it. Sheep without a shepherd. Sheep are not the smartest animals. Uh, Shepherd and sheep, that's a, a recurring metaphor, again, just like food and meals throughout the New Testament. But when Jesus is describing these people as sheep without a shepherd, he's saying these are people that are searching for something. People that are looking for anything, perhaps, People that had heard Jesus and the disciples speak, and so they they wanted to keep hearing what it was they were talking about. And this is something I think that can resonate with all of us. We all know what it's like to be searching for something. We can be searching for the things that we think will make our lives worth living. We can be searching for the right jobs and the right relationships and the right hobbies and the right friendships that will help us to think that life is going good that life is worth living, that we're in the right place in this particular season. But the reality is that many times when we are searching, we're not even sure what it is we're searching for. Many of us are searching for a feeling of satisfaction or of completion or of peace, and we don't find it. Even in the things that seem to be really good, it can be good food or good music or good movies, but those things are good for a moment and then they pass. We're searching for something more. In fact, as the world continues to invite us to search for more things that will make us happy, more things that seem good, we get into this false mentality that if we just get more of those things, more of the things that are good, more of the things that make us happy, then life will be good. But there's no amount of money, no amount of food, no amount of music, no amount of things you can chase and get that will satisfy That's the trick of it, is that the more you try to get, the more you need to keep pursuing after that. And as Jesus sees these people searching for something, he couldn't help but have compassion for them. Now, apparently Jesus was teaching these people for a while because the disciples come up to him and say, the hour has grown late. These people need to leave so that they can go get food. We can't provide food for all these people. We don't have a salary's worth of money to go buy food to feed 5,000 people. And Jesus' response was to go and see what you do have. And then this miraculous moment occurs where he multiplies and blesses this food, these bread loaves and these fish, and he feeds the people. And he didn't just give them scraps, as verse 42 puts it. He says, and all ate and all were filled. Some of the other translations in English would say that they were all eating and satisfied, or that they all ate everything they could have imagined or desired. Jesus fed them, and they were no longer hungry. There are a lot of things around us in the world that are promising to fulfill us that can't They will last for a moment, but they will not satisfy us for the long haul. Jesus meets us where we are, despite what our expectations might be, despite what the things we think we're searching for. Jesus says, no, 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 I have the thing you're looking for. 
Now, I don't want to get too metaphorical on you here because Jesus quite literally fed these people. There's no way around that. We can't get out of the the call to help feed hungry people. Jesus, all throughout the New Testament, is feeding hungry people. He's caring for those that have ailments. He's meeting with the sick and the poor. Jesus is doing physical ministry with people. It's not just intellectual platitudes to send out and to discuss and to pontificate about, but rather it, it is something where the rubber meets the road. But at the same time, what Jesus is doing in this moment is not just feeding their physical hunger. When these people began following Jesus, it's not like they initially thought, man, if we follow this guy around long enough, he might give us dinner. Maybe you have people in your own life like that. As someone that goes home, you know, from time to time in my late 20s to see my parents, I do linger around the kitchen from time to time hoping they might make me real food rather than going out to eat. But that's not why these people were following Jesus and the disciples initially. They were following because they had heard their teachings and they wanted to keep listening. They were searching for something. And when Jesus saw that need... He helped feed it. He taught them a great many things. And a byproduct of that teaching was to feed them physically. Jesus is feeding them spiritually and physically. And while they were searching for one thing, they were met with another. And the reality is that many times when we're searching for one thing, we are met with other things. So the question is, what is it that you are searching for right now? In fact, a better question might be, where are you searching for it? All of us are looking for something, something that brings us peace, something that brings us meaning, and everything around us is offering it. The question is, what is the thing you are searching for most in your life right now? Now, the situation for Jesus and the disciples quickly became a logistical nightmare, but apparently Jesus was never really concerned about that. Jesus met these people, he fed these people, and While he takes care of the immediate physical problem, Jesus was all the while concerned about something else entirely. His compassion for their search, for their longing, that's what Jesus was primarily trying to meet. Now, the disciples were not really sure what Jesus was going to do. The disciples, uh, some scholars would say, were taking a, a negative tone with Jesus. And when Jesus performs this miracle, not only does he feed all of the people, he also ends up with 12 baskets extra of bread and fish. They went from having nothing to having an overflow. Now, scholars love to make a lot out of these 12 extra baskets. I'm sure if you hear 20 more sermons, you'll hear 20 more explanations for it. But at the very least, we can say the disciples were given physical, tangible reminders that sometimes when we feel that God cannot provide, he'll give even more than we could have hoped for. But this story is one that revolves around the compassion of Jesus for the people. That when we are acknowledging our need, acknowledging that we're searching for something, acknowledging that we're not quite sure what it is we're looking for, but that we're looking for something. Maybe it's the things that will make us feel that our days are going as great as they could be, or the jobs that will lead us to the salaries that will lead us to the lifestyle that we think will bring us happiness and joy and security, or to the friendships that we think will, will lead us to the most secure emotional well-being we could ask for. And all of those things that we continue to look for, they give us moments of joy. They give us moments of satisfaction, but they don't last And Jesus meets people, and along the way, he will feed us. He will give us those things. 
But the ultimate place we find fulfillment, the ultimate place we eat and are filled and are satisfied is in the presence of God alone. And that's why these stories about meals are so important. They're stories about God feeding not only physical needs but spiritual needs in our souls. That when Jesus is on the scene, he cares for our immediate needs but also our long-term needs. That, that these meals are places where relationships are built. It's around meals and tables that we have conversations. It's, it's around meals and tables that strangers become friends where stories are told that we continue to retell time and time again so that we can laugh and remember good moments together. It's around meals and tables that we share our darkest moments. It's around meals and tables that we share the curiosities of our lives, the things that we wonder about, the things that we've learned, the things that are challenging. Meals are where relationships are built, where trust is built. Conversations occur and they draw us closer together in community. Sometimes we go to those meals looking to fulfill a physical hunger and we walk away finding that something else entirely has been satisfied. Our relationships have gotten deeper. Our love for one another and for God perhaps have gone even deeper. These meals are not just food, they're community, they're relationship. It's where we connect and consciously or subconsciously we recognize that in community, around tables, we reflect the image of God because we were not intended to be alone. In this story where Jesus feeds all of these hungry people, both spiritually and physically, we see this example. But even in our own lives, we know that meals are where our families are. Meals are where we catch up with our friends. Meals, they do more than feed us. That's why throughout Christian history, so much imagery and so much activity has revolved around food. Even our scriptures were passed down for centuries and centuries and centuries. Before we had a physical written Bible, we had the oral and verbal stories being shared around fires and food to tell of the stories of what God has done and what God will do. In our own lives, we share these same kinds of stories. It's why we come together as a church for things like Lenten soup suppers every year because we know there's a value in coming together to share, to catch up with old friends, to meet new people. That's why on Friday night we had over 100 people sign up for the Guess Who's Coming to Dinner where people got together in different homes to share food together, to break bread, to share stories, to introduce each other Food is so central. One of the primary images to this faith of ours is the sacrament of the communion. We come to this table so that we might draw closer to the divine, that God might reach out and bring us closer in relationship. And we come as we are, and as we come to this table, God sees us and has compassion for us because we are sheep and he is the true shepherd. And so this morning... What are you looking for? What are you hungry for? Maybe it's for food. There are certainly people in our society, people in our own community that are hungry for food. And we are called as the people of God to go and to help feed those people. It's part of the kingdom work. But what are you hungry for this morning? Maybe you are hungry for food, but maybe you're hungry for something else too. Maybe you're hungry for peace amidst grief. 
Maybe you're hungry for connection amidst loneliness. Maybe you're hungry for guidance amongst confusion. Maybe you're hungry for community amongst loneliness. Whatever you are hungry for, whatever thing you need, whatever thing you hope will satisfy you, God sees you and God loves you and God walks with you. And the reason we come together and worship, the reason we build relationship and community around meals and tables at home or in church or in towns is because we remind ourselves of the promise that God loves us and God is with us. So may we go as people of God and remind one another that we have been called to go and feed not just the physical hunger needs of those around us, but also to help feed the needs of our spirits. Just as God fed these people with food like bread and fish, may we go from this place and feed people, not only physically, but in the places they need it most. May we be light in dark. May we be hope in despair. May we be people that point to the good news of the gospel. May that be so. Amen.